The epistle lesson this morning comes to us from Ephesians 1, 3 through 10. But what, is, what does it mean? What does it mean to live in Jesus Christ? More exactly, what does it mean fully to participate in the life of God in Christ? For God calls on us to observe our adoption, our inheritance, our acceptance, our redemption, our forgiveness, even, even our wisdom and the grace and love that are all hallmarks of Christian living. Let us listen to the words from Ephesians 1, 3 through 10. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, that he freely bestowed on us in, in the Beloved, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Our epistle lesson continues in, in 1 John 3 through 1 and 3. It's a short passage, really short passage, that deals with several significant theological themes, such as God's love for humanity, destiny of believers, and the forgiveness of sins. Let us listen to John's words to us. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this, when he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is, and all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Amen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So, so what is the church? What is the church? All of us struggle with our theology of the church. However, when it comes to living out one's calling in Christ, the church takes on a particular meaning. It's the source of, of comfort, like I said last week, a place of shared identity with each other, 
a mutual sharing, a mutual understanding of the nature and message of the teachings of Christ and the world. Living in Christ challenges many of the rugged individualistic assumptions of our modern culture. It confronts the notion that we are independent, autonomous persons and that success depends on being able to live independently from each other. To the contrary, I believe, is through the church and the community of believers that we ultimately recognize what it means to live in Jesus Christ. We become reconciled with God and with others. Hence, the church is indeed Christ's body. The fullness thereof, of him who fills all in all, one of our confessions say. And there is a three-dimensional relationship between the church, Christ, and humanity. Understanding our lives as, as believers, as, as members of a, of a grand, historic, and holy community is essential to what it means to flourish and thrive in all of our lives. Affirming the ways in which human life is interconnected and interwoven into a tapestry of multiple differences and uh, otherness provides a liberating view of God and what God is ultimately doing in the world. Friends, this is exciting stuff. It's not dull. I'd love to hear, amen, brother. Thank you. And we are part of it. We are part of this exciting stuff. We've been chosen. You and I have been chosen to be part of God's revelation. We we have been chosen from before time to be part of gathering all things in heaven and on earth into Jesus Christ. What an honor. What a joy. God's coming among us in Christ and our coming to faith in Christ are part of a great plan. You and I are part of it. Part of it wherever we are. Whether we be sitting in the pews in the church or whether we be at home online, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, it is the destiny of those of us who believe And God also calls us to engage in a great appeal of all things and of all people into the big tent of the household of God. We believers, you and I, are already able to see God's plan for all to be united with God through Christ. And we also are called to hold up a vision of unity, of oneness, with God and with one another. Those who have faith have been made children of God, we are told. Through the adoption by God, we are told. In Christ, we are called and told. By the Holy Spirit, we are told. Out of the good pleasure and the mystery of God's will. You and I have been called as God's children to participate in the great ingathering, the ingathering, the church.
to make known by word and by deed or example the forgiving, healing, and unifying love that is ours in Christ to all the world. God offers an opportunity to see God's vision of the church that now lives in Christ, to see its place in the scheme of things. Again, we are chosen by God, redeemed by Christ, and sealed by the Holy Spirit. As the incarnation was the beginning of God's part, we now see that it includes us, individually and the church, and our focus for ministry. This purpose is no longer hidden. It cannot be hidden from us. It is to bring the entire universe, yes, entire universe, the heavens and the earth that God created, that omnipotent God that created the heavens and the earth, has now been handed to us as well in the unity in Christ. And if we see the mission of the church as anything less than this, then we, the church, are not fulfilling God's purpose in this world and not measuring up to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ who gave his life for us so that we might be forgiven and we might live. We are, in a sense, moving on God's agenda, affirming Dietrich Bonhoeffer's idea of cheap grace. And that's why we were chosen before the foundation of the world. Here we confront the mystery of divine election, which is ever wonder and a mystery that calls us individually and corporately to praise. We are held and protected by God, not clutched by whimsical fate. We are Embraced by God, we are held in the palm of God's hand. We have a moral authority to confirm our call and election. God's election is an expression of God's love. God's plan is to sum up all things in Christ. And this means for for each of us individually, there is no satisfaction or meaning of our lives unless we are doing what God calls us to do. We have nothing. We have nothing apart from this calling by God. The individual's search for satisfaction is futile unless it results in being united with other Christians. And we as Christians are bringing God's unity into the world. God's plan is to sum up all things in Christ. And our lives are not our own. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit through our baptism has sealed us and marked us as God's own. Unlike those that profess belief in the prosperity gospel, we cannot, we do not use God to make our lives richer, healthier, happier, or more prosperous. No, Rather, we, you and I, are called and used by God to heal the sick, to mend the broken, reconcile the estranged. This is our vocation. 
This is our calling. This is the ministry that we've been called to. Even though we may have another way of making a living, God lifts us up. No, Jesus lifts us up just as he does at this communion table. Lifts us up to a larger purpose than our own personal comfort. This is a call for us, the people of God, individually and corporately, not to lose our way, not to get distracted, not to take our eyes off of the prize. I believe that the larger purpose of God's intention, the larger purpose is renewal, congregational renewal. I believe that's where we're headed. That's what God is asking us to do. Not, not the style of worship, not the style of our organizations, not the education, not the tricks of anything else, not, not the music. Although I got to say, our music is the best around. Amen. Yes. Amen. Not our, even our music, and especially not the preaching, but an understanding of why you and I gather together on these Sunday mornings and on the Wednesday nights and on the Tuesday mornings and the Wednesday afternoons and the Friday mornings. Why do we gather? But to further the kingdom of God, to further the kingdom of God outside and inside the four walls of the church, during, during the potato famine in Ireland, the government organized the unemployed folks into work details. Sounds familiar, right? To build some much-needed roads also sounds familiar, right? The workers did their work in a very unsatisfactory fashion. That does not sound familiar. They had little enthusiasm. They were revolting everywhere they went. They didn't do the job they were being asked to do until the government supervisors drew them aside and showed them clearly how the roads would be used and the benefits to the villages along the route would be. They were to be part of a process of economic survival for Ireland after this, the work improved because it now had meaning. No one wants to build roads to nowhere, not even the church. No one wants busy work, but all of us want to be contributors. We want to have a purpose. And God gave us that purpose. Christ died to bring all the conflicting elements in this universe into one, to heal the separations, to reconcile each of us to each other, our neighbors, and to God. God's instrument of reconciliation was Jesus the Christ. And our ministries must be focused, clear and rooted in the will and intention of God, God not only called us into being, but God also elected us to a high and holy destiny. 
The human predicament is that every person, as the result of sin, is self-centered when we should be God-centered. We don't even believe in God by our own efforts, but as a result of the outreaching grace of God that invokes and elicits trust and confidence, and it's our salvation through the work of God's grace, just as it is in the justification by grace through faith. You and I are elected into love and cannot be a source of arrogance, but a source of comfort in the dark night of the soul. It's nothing less than the knowledge of the adoption by God, a love that persistently and invincibly, invincibly pursues the hungry, the disenfranchised, the alienated, and the powerless. There is no area, no area of human society outside the scope of God's redemptive work and no hostile force in heaven or hell that can frustrate God's eternal plan. For it is our attention, our hearts, our minds, our souls that must be drawn to God's love for humanity. Describing the love of God as creative love, like, like our uh, adoration said. Love is the word of God that created the world. And this creative love of God has the power to renew us and give us strength. When humanity encounters hardship, the creative spirit of God lifts us up and renews us. That's what God is doing right now, right here in this place. God is renewing us, giving us new energy, new focus to do what God calls us to do. And God calls us to have a God consciousness, an absolute dependence upon God, and be aware of God's presence in our lives every moment of every day of those lives. And not only are we born of God or children of God, we are simply of God. It's an affirmation. We, you and I, are of God. And that offers further assurance that it is the source of the victory already won over the opponents of the assured freedom from sin and evil. We become like God, and thus we need to live as if God is within us. The term children of God connects us intimately to God and to each other. And the relationship of parent and child implies great love. It implies honor. It implies obedience and respect for not only God, but for each other. Because we are gods, we need to do our best. And God will give us the tools that we need to live the life of a child of God. Being children of the Most High gives us hope. And this hope is able to keep us going, especially during difficult times. And you and I live in and with this hope. The hope that all things will be renewed. The hope that we will not remain the same but will be like the sun 
And we will become like the Son because of God's pure, generous, personal love. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Ken Goodrich, and I'm humbled that you took the time to listen to this podcast. I pray that the Holy Spirit moves you to ministry and that if you don't have a church home, that you are able to find one. Please feel free to tune in on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 12.20 p.m. for our Bible studies, on Thursdays at 10 a.m. for our Learning Center courses, and of course on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. for our worship. Just go to fpclc.org to see all our various programs and events. Thanks again, and God bless you and keep you safe. May God embrace you and keep you in his countenance. Peace.